When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here's Shahan J. Haraja and Babak Hayeri. All right, everybody, we're back. Welcome back to the College Football Survivor Show, where we go deep into the season's contenders for the college football playoff. I'm your co-host, Bob Akairi, and I'm joined, as always, by Shahan Jayaraja, National College Football Writer for CBS Sports. You can always find us on X at CBS Survivor Show, where you can participate in weekly polls on who we keep on the island as we figure out who's going to survive all the way to the college football playoff. But before we get started, Shehan, I just wanted to hear from you, and, and I think we got a guest today. We do. Well, this is the first week. Uh, you know, the Big Ten decided to make us wait a little bit to finally have a real football season, but it's time this week, and we've been plugging it a little bit, but this is the day. We're finally going to kind of get into the weeds of Michigan, and we brought on a great guest to have the opportunity to do so. The M Live beat writer covering Michigan, the host of the Wolverine Confidential podcast, Aaron McMahon is here. Aaron, how you doing? I'm good, guys. It's uh, I've been telling people the last couple of days. I've been on this beat since 2017, and I can't think of a busier last two week span. It's been it's been incredible. But good to be with you guys. Oh, what is something happening? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Let's jump off with that because obviously we have to address the elephant in the room. I don't want this to be a discussion about just uh, off-field stuff. But you know, when it comes to the sign-stealing investigation, when it comes to the NCAA, when it comes to the Big Ten, where are we right now? And by the way, just for reference, we're recording at about 3.11 Eastern time on Wednesday, November 8th. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Yes, we've got a couple of tracks going here, I guess. You know, you've got the NCAA side and you've got the Big Ten side. Uh, Michigan is obviously under investigation for, um, you know, uh, advanced scouting, illegal advanced scouting, as you could put it, um, by the NCAA. That investigation is still in the, you can call it the fact finding mission. mission. They're still trying to gather all the available information and and to work from there. But then you've got the Big Ten angle here where, you know the Big Ten is 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 waiting on deciding on what to do. Um, you know the first year commissioner Tony Batiti is under some fire. Uh, Big Ten football coaches and ads have not been happy with the uh, Big Ten's, I guess, lack of action um, with regard to some of these accusations and allegations leveled against Michigan, and they want them to do something. Um, you know, earlier this week, I, I can I've been told and confirmed that Michigan did receive a note of disciplinary action set from the Big Ten on Monday, which basically. To my understanding, it was basically a 48-hour notice for Michigan to um, respond. And then the the uh, belief is that the Big Ten is going to hand down some type of punishment. Um, it's my, my, good, my best guess is going to probably come sometime Thursday. Um, and, and there's been a lot of talk about possibilities, whether it's a suspension for Jim Harbaugh, potential suspension for assistance. Um, I've seen like, uh, you know, potential um, uh, fines levied. So there's a lot at stake here. Um, and meanwhile, you've got a nine and zero Michigan team that wants to play for national championships. So uh, it, it's been a wild last couple of weeks. A uh, lot, lot we're still waiting on, 
but there's it just it's, it seems like it's been nonstop as, as I'm sure you guys are aware. Yeah, and I think that's part of what we want to more dive into. We just feel like I mean, obviously, we'll be curious to see who's on the sideline coaching Michigan going into this game. But as we've seen for those first three games of the season, the the program certainly can figure out a variety of interim head coach of <laughs> potentially potential candidates to be on that sideline. And that kind of goes into this game because, you know, it's interesting. I I think initially after that Ohio State Penn State game, a lot of folks started to write off the Nittany Lions and they had that struggle game with Indiana. Obviously, they seem to come alive against Maryland. So now we saw the college football playoff has put them as number 10 in their ranking. So it's made this game a lot more important than than perhaps it seemed, especially after what we saw against the Buckeyes. So my thought is, as we see these two teams match up, the thing that struck watching that Ohio State game was that they had someone like a Marvin Harrison who could step up and be the difference maker with this Wolverine program. Who are your candidates for being that player to get the Michigan offense moving against a Penn State defense that is probably going to still be as good a defense as they've seen this season, if not possibly even the best defense they've seen this season? Yeah, the obvious answer is a quarterback, J.J. McCarthy. I mean, he has played fantastic all season. He's second in quarterback rating nationally. He's third in completion percentage. He's kind of really, so far at least, he's been the engine that's kind of made the Michigan offense um, move. Um, you know, he's, he's played very well this year. He's, he's done it all through the air with his legs. Um, some of his decision-making has been very good and it, it's been interesting, right? Cause we, we came into this year looking and thinking of Michigan as this ground and pound style of offense. And that's largely how they've been successful the last couple of years. Um, they're bringing back Blake Corm. They're bringing back Donovan Edwards, two names that, you know, are, are obviously the very good, very good running backs, but Michigan's offense largely has been successful this year because of the passing game. Um, they, they brought back a couple of guys, a, a, a receiver. They brought back a tight end who was exceptional as a true freshman last year. And they've really kind of you know used the pass to set up the run as opposed to last year where they were u- primarily utilizing the run. So, I mean, it, J.J. McCarthy is going to win or lose this game for Michigan. I, it's simple as that. I mean, he's he's had a fantastic start to the year. He's in the Heisman Trophy conversation. And while he might not necessarily be a front runner at this point, um, just his – his ability to, to, to move this offense and, and kind of keep them in sync has been, I think, the difference this year. Um, you know, the run game hasn't been what we expected it to be. Um, yes, Blake Corum, is, he's, he's, had, he's had a decent year. He's rushed for the 18. He's up to 18 rushing touchdowns now. Um, Davin Edwards has been a little bit of a disappointment. Uh, but just the, 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 the emergence of Michigan's passing game has, has been a story this year. I mean, they've they got weapons in the outside who I think many of us were questioning whether they could put it together on a week-to-week basis. Since then, I mean, Roman Wilson's looked fantastic. Um, I mentioned the, the 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 tight end Colson Melvin's been great, but I, I think the real difference maker has been McCarthy. Just his ability to fit fit some of those throws in tight windows, his receivers on the run, and Michigan just looks like a lot more of an explosive offense this year compared to uh, previous years. You know, it's interesting, right? You mentioned, obviously, the run game has been the thing that's powered Michigan for these past two years. And, you know, it's hard not to look at some of these efficiency numbers, right? I mean, they're averaging close to a yard less per carry than they did last season. What do you think the reason behind some of those struggles, you know, relatively speaking, in the run game are? 
Yeah, it, it's kind of it's it's probably they're multifaceted. I mean, we, we just actually, in fact, we learned today that Donovan Edwards has kind of been banged up for most of the year. He hasn't looked like his explosive self, the, the guy that you know we saw at the end of last year that rushed for the the, the the two touchdowns at Ohio State and looked good in the Big Ten title game. So I think it's taken him some time to get going. But I, I also think too it was Michigan's natural evolution, you know, with, with their with their uh, their offensive attack. I, I They knew Blake Corum was coming back, but I think they realized, and, and the coaches have said it this year, that maybe they put too much on Blake's plate last year. You know, he was averaging something like 24 and 25 carries a game. Um, I think that event, that wore him down over time, and you saw him obviously get injured, not only at the end of last year, but the, the last two years. So I, I think there was this realization that the Michigan coaching staff that, hey, we can't give the running backs this much, this much, these this many carries, this much of a load, and expect to be successful for 13, 14 games in a season. So it's it just a natural evolution of the offense. You know, JJ McCarthy was coming back, so I think they realized they could throw the ball a little bit more. The, the receivers are a little bit more experienced, and then there's the obvious choice here: the, the offensive line. I, I don't know if this offensive line has been as good uh, of a group as Michigan's had the last couple of years. Um, you know, they did bring back a couple of stars, but there were three, there were three stars in that line this year who were transfers that came in, came in late this, this off season for the portal. So I, I think it took some, it's taken them some time to gel. Um, they have been dealing with some injuries, but I just, from, from a run blocking perspective, I, I don't think this group is as good as the last couple of years. And I think it, it's really, it, it's really been noticeable when, when, you know, Blake Corum or Donovan Edwards kind of hit that second level where, you know, they can't get much beyond three or four yards. Whereas you know previous years, especially I can remember last year, Don, you saw Diamond breaking so many runs. You saw Blake, you know, it, it almost seemed like it was on a weekly basis where you'd see somebody break a fifty or sixty yard run. They're just not getting that this year, and I think part of it's the offensive line. Yeah, part of what I was noticing, especially in that Purdue game, was the creativity that was coming in, especially getting Samaj Morgan uh, to do that jet sweep that ended up being you know probably the best running play. I mean, a, ter- a really pivotal point for the Wolverines, kind of offense that had slowed down mid-game against Purdue. So it, it's been interesting to that versatility because we also saw Donovan Edwards turn into a receiver in a couple of se- sections as well. So, I mean, is that something of the adaptation that you're seeing with that Michigan offense over the season? Because, it, I mean, as much as McCarthy's been great, there have been a couple of down games like Bowling Green didn't go great, you know, and even his efficiency against Purdue wasn't that great as well. So how much of that adaptation are you seeing with the the personnel and the versatility that they have with the talent for that Michigan offense, yeah, it, it, it's 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 been there, you know, and I think it's obviously a natural, um, you know, tendency to do that as the season goes on, right? I, I think as teams as teams move on, you know, advance in the season, they're more likely to maybe open up the playbook a little bit more. They're more comfortable with some of these other guys. Remember, Samaj Morgan's a true freshman, so and he's kind of come on the last couple of weeks in the passing game. They, I think Michigan realizes they can trust him in, in, in big game situations, uh, and, and you saw that unleashed on last Saturday against Purdue. Um, so, I, it, I, and I think you're probably going to see more of it as time goes on, especially if Michigan can't you know, necessarily get that run game going like the, like they're so used to. They've got to find other ways to keep the defense honest because if, you know, if opposing defenses realize that they, hey, like they can't run on us, you know, they're, 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 they're going to be able to defend the pass a little bit easier too. So um, I think it's, again, a natural evolution of the offense. It, you're going to see more of that, I think, as time goes on. Uh, Michigan's shown the last couple of years that they, they're willing and, and able to get creative with the, with the, the offense. Uh, we saw it last year in the, in the playoff game against TCU where they tried that that, that play there in the end in the, in the red zone that didn't work early in the first quarter. So 
Um, you're going to see more of it probably with more individuals too. I think it helps that they have the speed with, with those playmakers too. They've tried things like that in the past um, with, with previous, you know, uh, with other guys. AJ, I can, AJ Henning comes to mind. He's now at Northwestern where um, I think the thought and the thought made sense, but you didn't necessarily have the playmaking or the speed to do it. Uh, with, with Samaj Morgan, maybe some of those other freshmen they haven't, we haven't seen a ton of from, I, I think it makes sense. You know, to, to kind of take a step back and ask the big question picture. I mean, obviously, Look, the questions that we're asking are are somewhat critical, but it's because at this point, of course, Michigan hasn't played uh, sort of outside of Rutgers, a top 50 opponent. So, you know, heading into this Penn State game, especially, what do you think that we know about this team and what do you think that we don't know at this point? Yeah, that's a good question because Michigan really finds themselves in, in a very similar situation to last year. And, and it's funny you bring this up because I was just kind of perusing the archives of maybe some of the stuff I wrote last year. And I can, this exact week, same time, I, I can remember writing a story about the defense and how, how statistically they were very good, just like they are right now. They're number one in rush defense or they're number one in, in yards allowed, number one in, in points allowed. And yet they hadn't really been tested. And then they went into that game last year late against, uh, I think it was week 10 against Illinois, struggled at times, had their back against the ball, and they eventually pulled it out with a field goal late. So it's interesting because, yeah, this Michigan team has not been tested yet. Players have acknowledged that. We've asked questions about it. Um, and you know, obviously the answer is always pretty, pretty boilerplate. You know, they can only play the teams on their schedule and there's not much they can control. Um, so I think part of it's obviously a a knock at the big 10 that I think top to bottom, the league hasn't been very good this year. You've got obviously the Michigan's Ohio State, Penn State, but other than that, it's been, it's been very mediocre. So Michigan hasn't faced a very, a very good big 10 team, um, you know, schedule at this point. Um, so the, as far as what we know, I, I think we know this team is good. They, they brought back so many guys from last year on both sides of the ball. They've largely got the same, uh, schemes in place, same coaches there. So I, I, I think everyone probably agrees they're at worst, uh, you know, a, uh, you know, a big 10 championship caliber team. Now it's a matter of whether they can get there. Um, but what we don't know is how this team responds with their backs against the wall, you know, trailing late in the game because they just, they frankly haven't had to do it. Um, you know, J.J. McCarthy and some of the stars have kind of, I don't say bragged, but, you know, they talked a lot the last couple of weeks about not playing many staffs in the fourth quarter and how fresh they feel. So it, it, it's gotten to a point where Michigan's had teams blown out midway through the third quarter and, and these games have kind, kind of become rudimentary. Like it, we know it's been a week to week basis of the same thing. So um, I'm really curious to see how they respond. Uh, not only gets a better team, but on the road in a, in a you know, a, a big environment. State College is a fun place to play. The, the crowd is loud. The stadium's huge. Uh, and it's something Michigan just really hasn't had to face yet this year. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's striking you brought that up because it, that both Michigan and Penn State have yet to have an opponent score in the third quarter at all this season. And it'll be fun to see if one of them manages to, quite frankly, going into this game. But heading into it, I mean, you've had a chance to talk to some of the Michigan players. What is their approach? What are the things they are trying to correct heading into Happy Valley? I think the, uh, the the first and foremost is the, is the the issues with the run game. That's kind of been the top. Aside from the off the field stuff this week, that's been the hot topic of, of conversation in Ann Arbor. Is how does Michigan fix the run game? How do they get more out of it? 
Um, and and I, I think that's really, you know, it will help determine whether I think Michigan, uh, you know, is successful on Saturday or not. Because, you know, it's something Jim Harbaugh harps on nonstop. You know, they like to be balanced. They like to throw for 200 yards and, and rush for 200 yards. And you can't say there, there, have, there, there haven't been that many times this year where they've been able to do that. Especially the last couple of weeks, it's, very been, it's been very much so lopsided toward the passing game. So I, I think Michigan's going to want us to try and establish the run game. Uh, it's going to be a, a topic of conversation. It has been. Um, you know, Penn State's very good against the against the against the run, and look, that's something I think the Michigan coaches and, and players kind of hone in on a week to week basis, where they, they they like to expose like an opponent's, um, you know, identify an opponent's strengths and try and beat them there too. So uh, I, I think that's first and foremost the the you know the uh, offensive side of the ball, and then defensively, I think it's just keeping Drew Aller in check. I, I think they realize he's a talented quarterback. Um, you know, he, he's able to make big plays, you know, at, at times, but it's, it's just like Michigan. He, he hasn't really been tested a ton either. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. Michigan's very much relying, I think, on what they've been able to accomplish so far. Um, JJ McCarthy's talked about refocusing the team and how they, they, they didn't feel like they played. They didn't feel like they played a great game on Saturday against Purdue. So I, I think really the test for them is just coming out and playing a full four quarter, four, four quarter, something they just they haven't had to do much this year. When you go into this game and you watch Michigan, I mean, obviously, this is a team that a lot of people are considering as the number one team in the country. And, you know, this is a a Michigan team that obviously, when they've gotten to the playoff the past two years, they haven't made it to that final stage, that national title game. What is the biggest thing that you need to see, whether it's this game or down the stretch? that can give you some confidence that this is potentially a truly national caliber, uh, a national title caliber program? It's a good question because I I think the last couple of years where they've got to the the playoffs and and, and lost in the semifinals, they've kind of lost for different reasons, right? When they got there in 2021 and played Georgia, Georgia just – by and large, was the better team. They had the better players, the better scheme. They were just, they were just frankly the the premier program. Last year, you know, I, I, I can't, I couldn't tell you one person who who picked TC who could have picked TCU to beat Michigan. I think Michigan was by and large the favorite. The odds makers picked them as a, as the favorite, and and you could point to Michigan kind of you know they 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 shot themselves in the foot with all the mistakes they made uh, through the you know, JJ McCarthy's interceptions, the uh, questionable play calling in the goal line, the uh, turnover, the fumble at the one yard line. So there was just there were, there were a cavalcade of mistakes that were just uncharacteristic to that Michigan team. And it was something we hadn't seen all season long. Like they they went in, they played Ohio or Penn State and, and won easily. They went into Columbus and won without issue. Um, and they won the Big Ten championship in a blowout. So it, it was it was just the uncharacteristic mistakes that kind of uh, piled up at, at the, on the playoff stage. Um, that just something that we hadn't seen. So I don't know if anything I see here in the regular season has convinced me otherwise. I'm waiting for them to win just a playoff game. I, I think if if Michigan can, can get back to the dance and win a semifinal game, whether that's over a Georgia or whatever, whoever, a Florida State, I, I think that would give some folks, especially here in Ann Arbor, more of the confidence that they can actually do it. Um, nonetheless, I mean, that's that's the goal this year. That's one of the reasons why so many of these Michigan players came back and didn't declare for the NFL draft was because that that's the end-all goal. They, they want to win a national championship. That's why they're here. Yes, the Big Ten title is great. Beating Ohio State is fantastic. But they're trying to you know cement themselves as the next Georgia, as the next you know high-profile program. And I, I think winning winning on that stage first will, is uh, is key. 
You know, heading into this weekend's game, I'm really curious to see some of the matchups that you are looking at. I mean, I, I know Will Johnson just came off of an amazing game against Purdue, but against Penn State, who on that Penn State program and 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 who on the Wolverines program are you looking forward to seeing play out? Well, I, I think key here, I think for Michigan is getting pressure on Drew Aller. I, I think if they can make him uncomfortable and force him into some. You know some uh, you know questionable uh, throws and force a turnover or two. I think will will be a key difference here. You mentioned Will Johnson. You know he he's been fantastic all year. He, he was banged up early in the year, but he's really come on the last couple of weeks. The interception against against Purdue. I think he had interception against Michigan State, if I'm not mistaken, a few weeks ago. So uh, and, and he not only that, but he's been he's been a guy who's really come on in big games. Even if you go back to last year when he was a true freshman. Big game against Ohio State. Big game against Purdue in the Big Ten Championship. He kind of just shows up in those big moments. So I, I, I do think Drew Aller against Michigan secondary is going to be crucial uh, on Saturday. Michigan has shown they can stop the run. They can limit uh, you know uh, uh, big games on the ground. And look, Penn State doesn't have a great running game to begin with. So I, I think for Michigan's defense to be successful on Saturday, it's going to be it's going to be forcing Drew Aller to make some quick decisions and for, get him uncomfortable. The, Michigan's defensive line, while they don't have the Aiden Hutchinsons or those David Ajabos or those big names, so to speak, they've done a very good job of, of forcing quarterbacks to get rid of the ball quickly. The sack numbers necessarily aren't there, but even if you go back to go, I mean go back to Saturday's game against Purdue. Uh, you know, they had to get the ball out quick, and that's kind of been an MO from opponents all season long is getting the football out quick because Michigan, they realize Michigan's got four defensive ends, four edge rushers who can get to the quarterback and any really any given down uh, and, and force some disruption. And they've got guys in the middle of it. So I, I, I think Michigan's defensive line against Drew, Drew Aller is going to be key, getting pressure on him and forcing some turnovers in the secondary. Let's close with this. So Michigan, of course, uh, you know, two straight playoff trips, like I mentioned. Let's say that Michigan beats Georgia this year or whoever, let's say the big bad is right. Georgia, Alabama, whoever it is in the playoff. What is the thing that changed versus the last two years to make that happen? And and you mentioned, you know, 2021, Georgia was just the better team. They had the better scheme, all that sort of stuff. Does Michigan have that in them potentially in 2023? Yeah, I, I think what would change would be Michigan's, um, obviously their ability to play on that stage. But I, I see the difference in 2021 is I think George just had the, the size and the physicality and the, and the elite playmaking ability that just superseded anything Michigan had. I, I think Michigan's done a very good job the last couple of years, a better job at least of obviously identifying talent, recruiting better, but they've done a good job of developing some of those key spots where um, you know, maybe they weren't as strong in previous years. For example, they've done a very good job of shoring up the interior of the defensive line. They've got two All-American candidates at, at linebacker. Um, so I, I think just the, the, the winning the one-on-one battles and, and maintaining and, and keeping up, I, I, I think, would be the difference. They were just overpowered two years against Georgia, and, and that's that certainly wasn't the case last year against TCU. I think they just beat, as I said, I think they just beat themselves. Um, because they were able to hang hang offensively, they were able to keep up. It was, it was essentially ended up being a shootout. But no, I I, I think it's the the ability that to, to, to match up one on one, prevent the playmakers, and 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 kind of you know stay mano y mano with a Georgia. I, and I think at the end of the day, there if you look at the playoff map right now. Michigan against compared, compared to everyone else. I think Michigan wins a head-to-head battle with Florida State. I think they win a head-to-head battle with Ohio State. They've proven they can do it the last couple of years. It's beating the 
NFL caliber lineups of Georgia, where they're they're you know they're stacked on the lines, where they have elite tight ends. Um, that was really the difference two years ago. They just couldn't stop all that, and I, I think they're better equipped to do that this year. Again, they haven't played much of a you know a power, so it's hard to, to measure. But I, I do think they've got better talent. He's Aaron McMahon. You can hear him on the Wolverine Confidential podcast. You can read all his coverage for M Live. Aaron, have fun at the game this weekend. It's going to be a good one. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much. And we'll be back right after this break. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. So now we're back, and that was a really interesting interview. It was interesting to hear Aaron's perspective heading into this weekend's game, because we've got the big one, the uh, the top 10 matchup between undefeated Michigan and one lost Penn State. You know, Shahan, what were your thoughts after listening to Aaron's perspective on what he's looking for going into this game? Yeah, it was interesting, right? Because I feel like I've been a little mixed on what I've seen from Michigan. Obviously, the advanced numbers absolutely love them, but the competition has been an issue. You know, it's interesting that he kind of brought up the running game as well. And so it definitely does seem like he had more questions about this team than maybe I expected. I thought that maybe he'd just kind of be like, well, it's been great. It's been perfect to this point, which, you know, on the field and statistically it has. I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on that running game. You know, we we were going to mention some things that uh, that we're going to be watching this weekend for Michigan versus Penn State. My number one thing is I want to see how Michigan's run game stacks up against Penn State because I think that Aaron brought up a good point. They leaned too much at times on their running game last year and overworked Blake Corum, I think, in a lot of ways. And this year, they've tried to move things around. They've really leaned on J.J. McCarthy to kind of create space and let Blake Corman and Donovan Edwards come along a little slower. Is this a game where they're able to unleash their full package, where they're able to completely come out and uh, you know rush for five and a half yards per carry like they did all of last year? Or is it going to be a game where they rush for three yards a carry and J.J. McCarthy has to be the best player on the field? I, I think that's going to be the difference in this game between whether it's a uh, kind of the Michigan game that maybe we expect or whether Penn State's able to hang around. Yeah, and I... I- also agree, at least the big question for me is going to be how that Penn State defense performs, which by extension means how that that uh, Michigan um, running game goes. It was interesting. One of the things that I thought Aaron brought up that I was was I think explained a little bit is that Donovan Edwards is apparently banged up because he had just hasn't been able to perform at the level people saw last year. And it's been coming up ever since, you know, earlier on in the season. It's been also interesting to see how even though they've won all their games, how Michigan's kind of adjusted after down games. Luckily for them, their schedule is such that the sheer talent level of the program has been able to make up for it. And for those of us who don't really, you know, unless you're, I think you're a really hardcore Wolverines fan, you weren't necessarily watching the Bowling Green game. Um, but that was a game where, again, you know, uh, McCarthy threw three interceptions and Blake Corum stepped up and kept the offense running. And, you know, Samaj Morgan suddenly appeared as a player, as a freshman, you know, and and part of it might have been Harbaugh being there finally after that initial break and being willing to kind of open it up a little bit. But seeing that response, because in the next game, they played Rutgers. And then with Rutgers, suddenly everything was fine again. It's like they got all the pieces in play and they were able to, and pardon me, that was when Samaj Morgan played with, uh, with Rutgers. That was where they were able to kind of get that, get that system going now that they had Harbaugh back and he was willing to open it up with the Rutgers game. So um, Purdue, they didn't look as strong, but 
one of the concerns I had looking at that game is were they playing it conservative intentionally? Because it, Purdue, yeah, they're the spoiler makers. They didn't really threaten them that much. There was kind of a, a dip in the middle of that game where Michigan kind of went, kind of didn't quite have their offense rolling. But I'm wondering how much of that was conservative, how much of it was also protecting McCarthy because they need him. And, and as Aaron said, he's a pivotal part of that program. So that's my concern because I think Penn State, ultimately for me, this that Penn State defense is going to make or break this game. If they can't keep up with that Michigan offense, then I don't know if Penn State has enough weapons to to keep up. It's going to have to be, I think, for Penn State to ever have a chance, it's going to have to be a tight game. And that's whether or not they can corral that that running game and limit what J.J. McCarthy can do. You know, I mean, kind of if they keep it to a passing game and keep that Keep those receivers in check. That might be something, an interesting game. And and without necessarily, because I mean, then we're going to end up making that kind of comparison against Ohio State. Do they have someone who, I mean, they don't have Marvin Harrison. So, I mean, it, it's like who, who would be that person for the Michigan offense? Because you can have a great quarterback, but at the same time, you know, the skill positions are just as important. I don't know. That's, that's me. I mean, uh, listening to what he said, it really kind of got my mind racing on all of that. No. And so, I went back and I watched the full Rutgers game and I went back and watched most of the Nebraska game. And I think one thing that I'd also take away, because, you know, look, we can be real about it, right? I've, I've got the Michigan game up in a box in the corner of my laptop. It's not front of screen for me most of the time because they're running away with these games. Um, so it was interesting to kind of get a closer, closer look at them for sure. And so I do think after watching those games, I'm probably undervaluing J.J. McCarthy. And the other piece with this, too, is that I think that Roman Wilson has turned into a legit go-to guy for them. Now, the question is, of course, versus uh, Marvin Harrison, right? He's not as explosive, but he is a consistent pass catcher. Uh, You know, he made a lot of contested catches in that game. And so I do think that he gives them an advantage right now that Penn state, I don't think has Um, just, just the connection between these two guys. And especially, you know, one thing that I think to point to is like Roman Wilson has 10 receiving touchdowns this year. He has been a a sure handed target in the red zone for Michigan's offense. And especially in a year where, you know, like the, the running game has been good enough. It hasn't been as dynamic as it's been in years past. Like, uh, actually, I went back and looked at some stats. Michigan was top 25 in plays of 30 or more yards last year. And this year, they are bottom 20. Like, they have not been an explosive offense consistently uh, this season. And I think a lot of that has to do with, you know, again, Blake Corum being more of an intermediate type runner instead of the kind of explosive back that he was his first two years. So, but I think that JJ McCarthy has grown. I do think that he is good enough to, uh, you know, to go and win playoff games and, and potentially more than that. But I do think that, um, you know, this will be a good test for him, but I do think that after my rewatch, I feel like JJ McCarthy is as good as people say that he is. And uh, and that might be enough to carry them through. You know, on the opposite side of the ball, I, I know this Michigan defense is strong. I'm curious to see how much of that Ohio State game was Drew Aller just having a game that he admitted was terrible. And if he can produce results that the Penn State faithful have had, you know, faith in him being able to do with the talent level he's at, the raw talent level he's at, 
I'd be curious to see if it, it's enough to to get some some scoring going against that that Michigan defense because again that that's the I mean and I'm I think I'm taking for granted and and because I was trying to check myself I'm like I'm, am I taking for granted that the Michigan defense is just incredible and it is it's a very good defense but can Penn State have they learned enough from that fiasco with Ohio State and then seeing that game against Maryland does that mean they're willing to now kind of open it up be a little more creative and do things that might get them forward. But I think in the end, if Penn state has any hope of beating Michigan, it's going to end up being a really tight game. It's going to be their defense has stepped up and made it just awkward enough for the Michigan offense that their defense, that their own offense at Penn state's offense can squeeze a play here or there um, a big play if they're fortunate. But again, that's the thing. I mean, because big plays are really the only ways people have scored on Michigan. It's still amazing that they have not faced a uh, first and goal this whole season. <laughs> and honestly, I don't know if Penn State can do it. I mean, but it, it, there's there's a wonderful little kind of um, dichotomies here. Penn State relies on kind of these, these sustained drives, not necessarily big plays, but kind of forcing their way forward. And Michigan is great at stopping those kinds of offenses. So we, we get these things where it's like, who's going to bet? Who's going to bet it? Again, going into this, my my with just the talent level and and how they're playing, I tend to lean Michigan. But it, one of the other things I kind of valued is like, who needs this more? Like as a team, Michigan needs this more. Absolutely. I mean, this is going to be the road to their their potential national championship. But then as an individual, James Franklin really, really needs this game. I don't know if he's going to get it, but he kind of feels like, I don't know, Gil on the Simpsons, like, you know, oh, I got to I gotta make this sale. Otherwise, it's all going to collapse. Like, I, 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 I mean, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say James Franklin's a snake oil salesman or anything like that. But I no, mean, he gets the, paid a lot more than that. He gets a lot, yeah, exactly. He, I mean, I, I'd he's love got to, his guaranteed contract. <laughs> I would love to have his problems. I would love. To, it's like when people are like, "Oh, I hate the NCAA leader, or I hate the commissioner, or whatever." I'm like, "I'll take that job. You can all beat me up for however much you want. I'll take that money." Yeah. Oh God. Yes, we were against the athletes being paid. No, JMU has no point being in the playoff. Blah blah. blah. Like, I'll, I'll take that money. And, and could totally be the pariah of college football. But um. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that for me, uh, another thing I'm going to be looking at, right? So uh, Parker Fleming, Stats of War on Twitter, puts out these great graphics every week, a big stat- statistical breakdown. And the first place that my eyes went when I saw that is Penn State defensively allows the lowest passing success rate of any defense in the country. They rank number one in opposing passing success rate. Michigan has the number three offensive passing success rate. They, they're successful on 51.3% of their passes. Penn State holds opponents to 35% of their passes. So here's the thing. This could come down to which team runs the ball better on each other. And Penn State, I would argue right now with the way that they're playing, has, I think, the better set of running backs. Now, I think that Michigan has the better offensive line, but Catron Allen and Nick Singleton are playing at an incredibly high level right now. And so it, it's going to be, I think, a pretty good matchup. And, you know, it, it, let me let me ask you this. Is there anything that could happen in this game that would make you concerned that Michigan is not the team that we think that they are? Well, one of the things, I mean, I think if... The Penn State offense can start to make an impact on that Michigan defense. I'm going to be really struck by that because part of it is 
the Michigan offense is fine. I don't, I really don't have much to, to say about it, but I'm wondering if, if they can figure out a way to break that open, the Ohio state's first of all, going to be absolutely paying attention to that. But I'm also curious to see if the uh, Penn state defense can exploit the offensive line of Michigan state. Because it is a solid line, but it's not been as strong as it has been. Again, against Purdue, they didn't have their strongest game. So you're going to see a step up in talent with Penn State. If they can exploit that to put J.J. McCarthy under a lot more pressure, force him into mistakes, although he is good on the run. He has proven he can be good on the run. That would also be something I'd be curious to see. If, if, if Penn State, with that defensive talent they have, can step up, and truly disrupt the uh, the uh, the, uh, the offensive line, disrupt the running game, and force Michigan into being more of a one-dimensional offense. I'm going to be very curious to see if that happens because I think that will be the blueprint for a lot of the teams that Michigan is going to face down the line. Um, and even if Penn State can't make it work, there's going to be if they if Michigan keeps winning, they're only going to face better defenses, and they're going to see exactly what um, what's on tape with Penn State. Legally on tape, not not like not going in advance. Like I got gotcha, like, you. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> I love how we have to always qualify that now. Thank you, Michigan. So, he, I think that you're right. Right, I, I think that offensively, if Michigan has some growing pains and has some struggles, I'm not going to be too concerned. If their defense doesn't look like we expect it to, I think that I agree. That would be a more concerning sign because there were players who left for the draft last year right mozzie smith was a great player for this michigan defense and like they you know like aaron mentioned they've had some all-america candidates at defensive tackle but they haven't been stress tested like they're going to be this week against penn state so with all that said with all that said Let's go ahead and do it, okay? We usually don't focus this much, of course, on individual games. Uh, Michigan helped us with that because we haven't really been able to talk about them in a real way all year long. But heading into this one, Michigan is a four and a half point favorite on the road at Penn State. Who you got? And do you have both cover and straight up? On both cover and straight up, I really think Michigan can make this work. I think Penn State was shook too much by that Ohio State game. I think Drew Aller, while it's nice to see him bounce back over a pair of games against, you know, uh, Indiana, and, and which gave them a heck of a game, and then Maryland, it's not the same as going against what we're seeing from that Wolverines defense. I've been impressed by the Wolverines defense, and I think that alone is going to, to, to make that game a Wolverine, the Wolverines game lose. But I think also with JJ McCarthy, there is enough talent across the board. Even if, you know, the running game will be able, I think, do adequately to keep that offense with enough opportunity to score and score more. I don't know if it'll be quite the level of win or blowout that Michigan achieved last year. But I mean, with that four and a half point spread, I think they'll more than pass that. I would not be surprised if Michigan wins this by two scores. So I'm going to pick Michigan to cover as well. I think that it's going to be a very close game late. I, I think it could actually look a lot like the Penn State Ohio State game, but I think that maybe uh, maybe it's more of an actual eight point game instead of like a, a backdoor cover eight point game. Like, look at. This is the first time all year that Michigan is really going to be stress tested. And 
the only other time that they really were was against Rutgers. And that was a game for a very long time, frankly. I, I mean, it was a 7-7 game at halftime. It only really swung for good when Michigan had a pick six. Like, there's a lot to like about Michigan, but we don't really know at this point. I mean, Rutgers obviously, uh, you know, just doesn't have the ability to uh, to hang with them, you know, uh, on offense. But uh, I, I think that Penn State does have that ability. The question is whether they're going to be able to do it. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, that's a good question. What is the under on this game? That's probably worth looking up because that, that might be a bet worth taking depending on how this one goes. Um, let's see. It, the under is 45. I think I'd take that under. I think I would take that under because yeah, I would too. Yeah. I would be surprised. I, I'm I'm expecting a game that's going to be like twenty something to maybe low the high single digits or or ten or something like that. That that to me would be a very believable game for what we have facing each other. And if Michigan, if well, obviously if Michigan loses, then boom, we 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 know that there's going to be a whole other conversation there. But assuming they win, um. I I think that to me is par. I'm actually I the you know fine with that spread, but for me par is can they win by two scores sure. in the going into this game? And if they don't, then I'm going to have a lot more questions. And then frankly, this Ohio State game is going to become a lot more interesting down the line. But uh, if they surpass that, I'm really then going to be curious how the college football playoff committee reacts next week when they re rank everything. With that said, I hope that you learned a little bit more about this Michigan team heading into a big matchup this upcoming weekend. We're going to talk just for a second about the second ranking, which was released, and we'll do that next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, we're back. So after talking so much about Michigan, we wanted to take a second just to step back and also just look at that second set of college football playoff committee rankings. They came out on Tuesday. You know, things for those who are uh, who maybe missed it, uh, it's more or less the same. I mean, the uh, the top eight are exactly the same. Ohio State, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Washington being that undefeated tier. One loss teams, Oregon, Texas and Alabama are following them right up. And with the losses by Mizzou and Oklahoma, instead, Alabama is followed by Ole Miss, Penn State, Louisville. And then we get into the two loss, which is led by Oregon State. The two loss brackets led by Oregon State, followed by Tennessee, Mizzou, Oklahoma State, Kansas, Oklahoma, Utah. And then we get three loss LSU, three loss Notre Dame, three loss Arizona, and miraculously, perhaps, uh, two loss Iowa followed by the only G5 left in after Air Force's blowout loss to Army, Tulane, with rounding out with North Carolina and Kansas State. But what are your thoughts on this? I mean, it's been an interesting ranking to see. I mean, there's there's a little bit of surprise, but mostly it seems like it's where we expected it to be. I was curious whether the committee was going to move Georgia to number one this week after beating a top 15 opponent in Missouri. I mean, clearly they've given them a lot of credit just for how well they've played. I was curious if finally having that win would maybe be enough, especially, you know, with Ohio State's win over Notre Dame. Now they're down to number 20, right? I mean, it's not as impressive a win as maybe it felt at one time. And the other part of it, too, is that if Penn State were to lose to Michigan as their favorite to do, 
I mean, then Ohio State maybe doesn't have a top 15 win. You know, that's going to be kind of an interesting dynamic to watch. Maybe next week we start getting into that Georgia conversation. The rest, uh, not a ton of huge surprises. Um, You know, one thing that we noted, Mizzou only dropped two spots from 12 to 14 after losing that game. And I feel like personally... You know, I'm I'm not an AP voter. I'm certainly not a, a committee member of the CFP committee, but I've always sort of felt like if you're a lower ranked team and you lose really close to a higher ranked team, I don't feel the need just to move you down, just to move you down. Like I, I don't think that that's necessary. I feel like I'd still have them ahead of Tennessee at this point. Um, I, I think that Oregon State in front of them is fine, but. It was interesting. Only two spots down. I think that that was probably about the right move. And I was also curious if any other group of five teams would get into the mix uh, for the New Year's Six game after Air Force lost to Army. Uh, Fresno State didn't make the list. Uh, Liberty didn't make the list. So right now, Tulane's kind of on its own. And we'll kind of have to wait and see whether anybody's able to knock them off their perch. And T, pardon me, uh, Tulane didn't exactly make a great effort this past week <laughs> no. with that very close win against East no, Carolina. That was not good. You know, and, and going back to Mizzou, I think the committee did set up what appears to be second place to Uga, pardon me, to Georgia and um, to Bama with this this Mizzou Tennessee game we've got coming up this weekend. I think th- it sets it up nicely because that that ranking is going to sort itself out pretty darn quick, and it's going to then be interesting to see whether or not the winner of that game jumps Oregon State, which I, I think it wouldn't probably be the leading two-loss team, depending on on how things work out. Or would it be presumably, not presumably, would it be in the in Ole Miss or Penn State, um, depending on how their games work out with uh, their own top matches? You know, one of the things that struck me was in keeping Ohio State as number one, Boo Corrigan <laughs> mentioned, and it's been mentioned multiple places, touting that they were able to defeat that top 20 Rutgers defense. And I have to say, I talked to a Rutgers fan just yesterday. Like they are, they are absolutely sanguine that they got even mentioned in that kind of a way. I mean, that tells you where Greg Shiano is taking the, the Scarlet Knights, <laughs> but it also goes back to where, how they kind of go at legitimizing their rankings. And, and, and part of me is like, I bet it was, it was obviously a more robust conversation than that behind closed doors. But whenever you get that kind of Q and a, there's a kind of like, it's like, what is he remembering? What is he locking into? And it suddenly became the top 20 Rutgers defense. So that was one of the main reasons why Ohio state um, stayed at number one. But once again, I'm very curious to see, it was interesting to hear some reflection on USC, you know, yeah, now they've fallen out of the rankings, but that apparently that win was not good enough for Washington to, to budge at all. It's going to be, I'm, I'm curious to see how this pans out as they move forward. And frankly, the, uh, the Iowa thing was my favorite because we had one of our, one of uh, one of the people I work with at RCFB ask Boo Corrigan a question about Iowa, like, you know, how, what, you know, what were you looking at? We've, we've all seen that offense. You know, we're being polite. Yeah. Well, we've seen that offense. What has led you all to, to put them in a ranking, you know, at, at 22. And, and again, he said, uh, he acknowledged their offense hasn't been strong, but said they were strong in the other two aspects of the game. And part of me in my mind was like, I, okay, but again, did you see the game at Wrigley field? Um, and what's left of Wrigley field after they played the game there. But, uh, you know, it was interesting to see. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how this works out. And especially as you pointed out the G5, this has been, I think a down year for the G5 just overall. I mean, we, so many of those candidates to maybe break through lost early. 
and and to the benefit of Tulane, which is now you know again they lost that close game against Ole Miss, and if Ole Miss can keep looking decent, especially this weekend, you know that's only keeping them strong, especially since again they didn't have their star quarterback. But this is it. I think overall these rankings are pretty stable. I'm I'm very curious to see how they they shake out after this weekend because we've got enough games coming up where. There's some potential movement there. And again, I also want to say one last thing. Really happy to see the Wildcats up there. Only because we talked about them a bit before last week. I thought they were going to be the first, you know, three loss team to be ranked. And they've continued to to impress with the three ranked wins in a row. So they're they are the they are one of the chaos agents, along with I'm going to also say Oklahoma State and Oregon State. Those two are chaos agents out there with their schedules that can absolutely disrupt who makes the playoff. I don't know what you're talking about. Oklahoma State is just good. They're going to win the Big 12. It doesn't matter. They're, they're no, there's no chaos here. They're just good. Oh, they're good. But as far <laughs> as who's going to make the national championship, they can absolutely wreck things. And I know they would love that. Um, and I can't blame them. I think that it's always that's what the fun thing about college football. If your team isn't doing is doing great, good, but not necessarily elite great. You're just out there to ruin everyone else's season and bless you for doing it. That's what makes the game fun. Well, speaking of of ruining somebody else's season, it's a good week this week. Obviously, we've touched a lot on Michigan-Penn State, but we've also got Washington playing against Utah. That could be chaos. Florida State against Miami. That one could get a little weird. Georgia Ole Miss. You know, Oregon playing against USC. Texas versus TCU. It's like a little bit of a weirdo spoiler week. And... I think that all the favorites should probably win. But if we're sitting here on Tuesday next week and saying, oh, my gosh, this entire thing is different. Just don't be too surprised. <laughs> Who knew that letting go of Alex Grinch caused USC to shut out Oregon? No, that, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that 33 be... to 7. Can you believe that that's <laughs> how USC beat Oregon? <laughs> how did they end up with an Iowa score? How did it end up finishing 7 to 3? I cannot believe I watched that. No. <laughs> Oh, oh goodness. Well, if that happens, we'll be sure to talk about it the next time we all get together. So on behalf of all of us here at the College Football Survivors Show, I just want to initially thank, it was great to have Aaron McCann join us earlier for an interview, but we also wanted to thank all of you who listen. You make this show worth it. We like it when you come and participate on our Twitter feed or on X at Survivor at CFB Survivor Show in our polls. Send us messages. You know, wherever you're listening to us, be sure to like, subscribe, and and write a review. We love reading them wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show. You can always find Shehan Jayaraj's work at CBSSports.com. I'm Bob Akayeri. Thank you for joining us. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.